and welcome to the Secret Origins of Main Condition Sports Edition. We are recording on Monday, June 13th, and with me, as always, is Joe. Hey, sports fans. So glad to have you here, Joe. Unfortunately, James is not able to be here today, yeah. so you're stuck with us again. But uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, listeners, as long as Joe and I don't burn down the sports desk, we can do this as often as we like, huh, Joe? Yeah, I don't think we'll burn it down. Besides, isn't it acrylic? I don't think we're going to burn it down. <laughs> oh, whatever it is. I know James spent a lot of money on it. So, you know, the occasional spilled beer, not a big deal. Coffee. Yeah, the, well, the uh, the beer stain will come out eventually. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, by the time James gets back to the sports desk, he won't even recognize it, right? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, uh, so there's, uh, you know, we were talking off air um, about just how much there is to, to get to, which is just kind of wild. Um, so where, where would you like to start today, Joe? I think we have to start with the uh, uh, NHL again with the Rangers. Okay. Yeah, I really do. I think that's the uh, – it's, it's still the talk here in town. It's a big weekend with the Mets and Yankees, but people are still on sports radio here in town, still going through withdrawal, still on the top of the Queensboro Bridge threatening to jump off. Yeah, it's, so, it is. It's it's real tough, man. It's It, it was a really, it was really tough. tough way for the for the season to end. So for all the Rangers out there, and this is a – a big shout out to to the grosses. We're really, really sorry that yes. this is uh you know, this is the way the season ended. That said, I you know, I was uh listening to um Thirty Two Thoughts, uh, which is one of the uh, you know, one of the very few podcasts I listened to. I can't remember if it was Elliot Friedman or, or Jeff Merrick was saying, you know, if you told Rangers fans at the very beginning of the season, hey, uh, you, you know, at the, the very beginning of the season when they, they got absolutely stomped by the Washington Capitals. You know, uh, by the end of the season, uh, the Rangers will have managed uh, to make it to Game Six in the in the Eastern Conference Finals against the defending Stanley Cup champions. You know, Rangers fans would have said, "Well, that sounds terrific. That sounds like a great season." Signed up for that, right? Sorry, but they would have signed up for that. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, but of course, it's different when you're actually within striking distance, mm. and I can imagine, you know, it's hard. If you're a Rangers fan, by the time you get to winning games one and two on home ice against the defending Stanley Cup champions, knowing the games, you know, five and seven, if it goes to seven, will also be on home ice. It's got to be really difficult because at that point, you've got to be thinking, we're going to the Stanley Cup finals. Mm. So what do you think, Joe? How did how what was it? What was it like for you going through this this roller coaster ride that was the 2022 New York Rangers? Well, it was a roller coaster ride, uh, that, that for sure. I mean, I'd just gotten back into this. You got me back into hockey the past few months. We're talking about it, and I was totally invested in these playoffs, and I was very disappointed. Because you and I are friends, but here I am putting even more pressure on your heart during baseball <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah, thanks a lot. So, bearing up with the Yankees and the, the Giants, I got to deal with now. I got to deal with these Rangers. <laughs> Goffin, the, the Knicks should ever get good again. Uh, but like no. I said, but anyway, no. I'm sorry I interrupted. So as no. you were saying. Carbon 14 dating on the Knicks getting good again. But, uh, you know, uh, no, that's, uh, no, it was disappointing. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last, what was it, the last four goals the Rangers scored were all on um, penalty? You know, they were all, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they were power play. That's, that's power play. Yeah, yeah, power play. Right, yeah. Everybody's been, been talking about since the, since the Rangers got bounced was um, that in games one and two, the Rangers scored a combined eight goals at five on five. Yeah, um, which was which was huge, and that was something that we talked about during the regular season too. Was one of the reasons why going out, excuse me, and getting Andrew Cop, and we talked about this in previous episodes. It was important for them at the trade deadline to go get out, um, to go pick up some players that could that could boost their offense for the playoffs, um, especially because you know by the end of the season in the regular season, the Rangers had only two hundred and fifty goals. That's it. That puts mm-hmm. them at uh, you know I think ninth from the uh, not even. That puts them at like yeah, like seventh or eighth from the bottom. Wow. Uh, New Jersey Devils, who were way down at the bottom of the standings, to put give you some perspective, the Rangers had two hundred and fifty goals. The Devils had two hundred and forty five, and that's during the regular season. And and that's that's just a really really bad look. So we wanted them to get score some offense. So you know, in games one and two, they scored a combined eight goals at five on five. That's huge. In the last four games of the series, all of which the Lightning won, New York found the back of the net exactly one time at five on five five on five yeah which is that's just a really ugly stat you cannot win you cannot win a playoff series if over the course of four games right 200 at least 240 minutes not counting overtime 240 minutes one five on five goal 
Yeah, that's like that's like the stat in baseball with you know hitting with runners in scoring position. Uh, Friday night, the Yankees and the Cubs mm-hmm. went to thirteen innings and combined until the Yankees had the walk off win. Up to the, at that point, combined the two teams were like zero for thirty eight with runners in scoring position. Ooh. It's it's an you know I, I think it, it might it might be a, a record although it was an extreme game. But yeah, I, I kept saying to myself, I, I know I know I don't know much about this sport as much as and Chris is teaching me, and I'm, I'm learning on the fly, so to speak. But I can just see that you know it's just it's not happening for the Rangers; they're just not scoring. Anymore. No, are you, and, I mean, you, you, did, yeah. you you zeroed in on the, the problem. Uh, I mean, there, yeah. there were a couple of others, but that was the main problem. Was if you don't score five on five in hockey, you're just you're not going to win. And yeah. uh, you know they got some good power play chances uh, when the Lightning were caught on their back foot, and that's that's a lot of what I've heard and what I've read, and I think we saw it too, which was that the Rangers dictated the pace of play in the first two games in New York, um, mm-hmm. and they did a really really good job of putting the Lightning through their paces, and and when you play the game on your terms like that, that allows you to dictate the action, and that's what the Rangers did. That's that's why they won games one and two, um, because when you when you look at don't get me wrong, Shesterkin was amazing. Shesterkin was astonishing. He was standing on his head. Um, So he was doing really great work, but the team in front of him was also fighting like hell and, and they were all over the ice. They were all, you could not look anywhere without seeing Rangers blue. Right. And then that changed starting in game three. I think we really saw them starting to get tired. The lightning really found their pace. Uh, You know, Joe, I have to apologize because I previously said you had asked me in the last Sports episode, do you think that um, the Lightning having so much rust, uh, rest means they've got some rust? And I said, I don't think so. I think by this time they've really figured it out. Um, I think it's clear in those first two games, the Lightning were, in fact, trying to struggle uh, to to shake off some rust. Vasilevsky did not look like himself, and they were not able to keep up with the Rangers. Then they started setting the tempo starting in, in game three, uh, which was a tough one. The Rangers were up 2 nothing and in full control of that game until the Lightning took it away from them and, uh, and just never looked back. Yeah, and, and that rest must have kicked in in Game Three, right? That's, because and that's what I'm that's what I'm like sort of learning and hearing is that the the rest doesn't show up in Game One. The rest shows up in the middle of the series, yes. and that's exactly what happened. And also, you know, the Rangers not to take away from anything they did because they really did. They had a stellar a stellar season, and they beat some really really good teams. Okay, uh, in the postseason here, but it's worth noting that for a while there they were the beneficiary of of their opponents getting injured and that's not to that's not to say that's the only reason I'm not saying that at all the Rangers absolutely earned series wins in the quarterfinals and semifinals rounds they 100% earned those wins but you know the the series the first series against the Penguins that turned on its head once Sidney Crosby went down right Mm -hmm. and then we saw that against the Hurricanes too the Hurricanes had some key injuries and again the Rangers earned every inch but they finally got bitten in this series. So while the Rangers and the Lightning were both fighting through injuries, um, the Lightning have done this before. They've done this two times before. So, yeah. you know, the fighting through injuries is not new to them. For the Rangers, for a young team, it's pretty new. You know, yeah. fighting through injuries in the postseason is very different than trying to fight through injuries in the regular season. Uh, it's, hard enough, it's hard enough to beat a, a two-time uh, uh, champion back-to-back, and then all of a sudden you, you find yourself – uh, with injuries, and now, oh my God, how how do we how do we get through this? Right. Yeah, right, definitely. So yeah. you know, we hit a point. I think in the series, you know, I, I, I'm not alone in saying that I think Game Three was the was the turning point in that series. Yes. Um, you know, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin were were both outstanding. They were both just just amazing. Just watching the goalie duel was, I thought, was exceptional. It was amazing. I mean, uh, Shesterkin is now my second favorite. Uh, Player in New York after Aaron Judge. <laughs> oh, see, that's... I love the guy now. For our listeners, I was getting text messages from Joe periodically saying things like, Shesterkin is plastic, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's amazing. He really no, is. And you're absolutely right. You know, I think what really what really did them in in game six... I mean, game game five really hurt. Game five hurt because they lost. They lost at home. So that was, that was tough. And I think... Mm-hmm. And this is just my opinion. I think what happened, I think the fight sort of went out of the Rangers in game five when they lost at home, because up until then, you know, home ice advantage, what home ice advantage means is, is besides sleeping in your own bed, which is important. Um, Besides that, it means that you get the advantage in sending in lineups, 
if you're home, you get to make substitutions after the away team. Mm-hmm. You could determine which line is facing off against which line. Now, it seems that the the Tampa coach, John Cooper, and uh, Gerard Gallant of the, the Rangers, they both have sort of the same philosophy of, I'll send my best guys up against anybody. I will send my first line against your first line. I'm not looking to take advantage and hold off your first line and then have my first line go up against your third line. Like, they're not playing that much of a matchup game. You know, there was an element of of some of how do we stop Mika Zibanejad? Because Zibanejad mm. was just all over the ice. He was just amazing for the Rangers, okay? He really was, yes. Um, it wasn't until they really got him shut down that the Lightning start, were able to start taking control. And so when the Rangers couldn't fend them off at home in Game 5, when they had the advantage of sending the lines out there and, and creating the matchups they liked, I think that's when we saw things fall apart. Because if you can't even win when you're setting the matchups you like, you're in a lot of trouble. So by the time we get to Game 6 now... You know, I think a lot of the fight has gone out of the Rangers. I think we saw that in the second period when the Rangers, excuse me, the third period, when the Rangers are on the power play, they're down one nothing, um, and they they couldn't generate any quality chances. And this is the only way they're scoring goals, right? This not five on five power play, best yeah. chance play. to to score and take back this game at this point just to tie it is on this power play, and they just cannot keep it in the offensive zone for more than a couple of seconds before the Lightning clear it. So at that point, you know, I texted my friend Josh and I said, I think they're done. I think they've just lost all their fight. I think they're just finished. And then the Rangers came back and they they scored that power play goal to to make it 1-1. And at that point, they're, you know, they're feeling good. Like, okay, all right, this is this is the start of something. And, you know, it's what, 45 seconds later that, that the, the puck comes down the other way. Yeah. Totally fluky goal, right? It's a totally fluky goal that it bounces off of. Um, Stamkos' pants after Shesterka makes an outstanding <laughs> save, um, yeah. but just can't close his glove fast enough before the puck bounces out, bounces off uh, Stamkos' leg, and into the net. They did review that, right? But it was clearly a goal. Yeah, so, so um, they decided, they, they they review every goal. They reviewed yeah. it, and they determined that it was, in fact, a goal. The Rangers could have challenged, because Shesterka, he came out of net immediately, um, basically saying, you know, that was goalie interference. And so they could have challenged it. I, they decided not to because at that point the game is 2-1. Whereas if they challenge it and they lose, then they're in the final minutes of the game and they're they're still down 2-1, to one, but now the Lightning are on a power play. So yeah. at that point they decided not to challenge. They would much rather just go, all right, we're 5-on-5 five five and we'll pull Shesterk and go 6-on-5 and, and hope that we can score the equalizer before time runs out, right? Um so I think I think the Rangers just hit a little bit of a brick brick wall in this series. That said, I stand by the bet that I made with my neighbor uh, back mm-hmm. during the Carolina series, which was that next year I bet him twenty bucks that the Rangers would at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and perhaps further. And that's because he thought, and he said, "I'll take that bet." I think they're several years away, and you know the Rangers have proven that they're not. No, because um, I don't think this was a this was a fluky playoff for them. You know they do need to. They still have some, some things they need to address, but um, but they've got you know a, a guy who is in the top five, if not the top three goalies in the league. Um, now there's still some time we need to see for that. This is the the first quote real season he's really played where it's it's been consistent. Uh, I don't think he quite has. I don't think he quite has a hundred games under his belt. Uh, let's find out. Uh, there is the possibility. So he's played ninety five in his career. So he's played 95. He hasn't quite hit 100 yet. Um, there is, of course, the possibility that, like, you know, his performance this year was was kind of a fluke and or or it turns out he, he will be injury prone. I'm not saying any of this to curse him because I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I do think this is we're looking at a Hall of Fame, yet another Hall of Fame goaltender for the New York Rangers. So I, I, I think Rangers fans can feel confident moving forward here to, to just go, OK, now we need to figure out our our we need to solve our scoring problems. Right. Um, and specifically our five on five problems because the power play generally doesn't have a problem, problem scoring. So now here's a question. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, 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 go ahead. In baseball, you go to school on the pitcher and it looks like the Minnesota twins last week went to school on, uh, on Nest, nasty Nestor and they, they roughed him up pretty mm-hmm. well. So can you go to school on, on a new goalie? Is there a weak side? Does he have a weak side? Do goalies have weak sides? 
I mean, uh, can you go to school on a goalie like you go to school on a pitcher or, or a quarterback? Yeah, so so the short answer is yes. Uh, okay. But the slightly longer answer is that Ansha Sturkin, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's he's just, he's too smart. He's just too smart. And he's really good at anticipating the play. What, what screwed him, I think, in um, game six, I was, or yeah, game six, I was talking to my wife, Christina, about it. And we're watching this, this very, that first goal from Stamkos looked like a really soft goal. He shot it from the top of the circle and it somehow got past Igor. And at that point, you're kind of going, how, that's when he wants back. He's made all this, these amazing saves. How did he, well, you know, she's like, well, I think, I think Igor thought that was going to be a pass, not a shot. You don't shot, shoot from the top of the circle because Shostakhin had a chance to square up. So why is that a shot? And so it made me think of that the 2007 Super Bowl, New York Giants against the Patriots, when, um, you know, for the third time that game, they called the same play. But this time, Gilbride realized that the Patriots corner, and I can't remember who it was at this point, but the Patriots corner, he realized, he was quoted as going, the son of a bitch is cheating. And (laughs) he said that because every time they had run this, this route, Plaxico specifically, it was a post. And the corner was there every single time and he and Gilbride the offensive coordinator realized wait a minute he's cheating he's just anticipating that when we're in this look it'll be a corner of a post route if we run a corner and he's cheating Plaxico is going to be all by himself and that's in fact exactly what happened that's the third time they ran that play that in the Super Bowl and Plaxico the call is Plaxico Burris uh, Manning to Burris alone in the end zone touchdown New York it's Burris is alone because the corner got caught cheating. And when he's successful, yep. that's an interception. When he's not, it's a touchdown. And it's sort of the same thing with Shesterkin. He's really good at anticipating where the puck should be, which is why he makes these amazing Gumby saves. Because yes. he's anticipating where the shot is going to come from, and he's able to get across the ice because he has a split, like a hair of a fraction of a second more than most goalies would because he's anticipating where the best play is. And then that's where he is. And in this case, the best play was to get across the ice so that when the pass from Stamkos went through, uh, he was squared up for the shot. But instead, it ended up being a shot. So by the time time he came back and squared up, the puck was already going to the back of the net. Anticipation is so so important in professional sport. In, In baseball, some of the best outfielders are the guys that don't have to die for a ball. That crack of the bat, they're off, and they're they're waiting for the ball to come down. And you know who's doing that this year is Aaron Judge. He's surprising the hell of me playing center field. He's looking like a modern day Joe DiMaggio. It's not only at the oh, play, but at, at, wow, I mean, that is that is quite the comparison. Yeah, it is. But he he he's so he glides to the ball. He's just waiting for it. He didn't have to drive, dive for one the other night. It was it was spectacular. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. Shusterkin obviously has an incredible visual acuity, gifted to him. And he, but he is—he just knows the game apparently so well that he can—he can anticipate where that, like you said, where that puck's going to yeah. be, and that's just—that's—that's—that's that's, that's obviously a gift. And um, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, uh, this is a young team that can only get better, and I—I I think if they—if they can beef up the offense, uh, I, I think this this deal was definitely not a fluke. And no, I think we got something to look. No, at. I don't think so. Yeah. I think they've got a lot of promising. And now I'd have to check. I would have to check whether or not. Like who's who's a restricted free agent, who's an unrestricted free agent, where they are in terms of contracts. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I think they're in pretty good shape going into next year. I think they are going to have to figure out Andrew Kopp. Um, I think they'd like him to come back, but he was really a rental for this year. So we'll see whether or not they okay. sign him. But I think he was a really, really great addition to their team. Uh, with the kid line coming of age here, I think they feel really good. Um, again, Shesterkin had a, a Vesna-worthy season and um, and doesn't get much better than that. And I think you know he's only he's only twenty. I want to say he's twenty four. Um, wow! So he's got he's got his best years ahead of him here. Um, mm-hmm. So you know I think it's just they they need to figure out what they're going to do moving forward with regards to scoring. Um, and and it's it's interesting because you know Glant got a lot of a lot of flack for two things. One was for totally shuffling the lines going into Game Six, which I'll get to in a second. And then he also caught flack for not sharing not really answering questions during there was an interview oh, a yeah. question during the game. Do you remember this Joe? Big thing here in New York. that have been talking. About I think this. it's ridiculous. One, I can't believe that they can ask questions in during a game of anybody. In my opinion, I think it's ridiculous, but two, he answered the question. And I don't think he did it rudely. 
all right, she didn't, she said, can you take us behind the scenes for the the thinking and that? And he said, no. Okay, done deal. We move on. And Emily Kaplan is a total pro. And that's exactly what she did. She didn't harass him about it. She didn't make the issue stick. You could tell she was a little taken aback, but then she moved on. And that's the way it should be. There's mm-hmm. a distinct possibility that there were things he did not want to share. And as a coach, that's your responsibility is to your team, period. Full stop. Right. So I, you know, I don't think people, this is, this to me did not feel like he, cause he doesn't, he, to me, he doesn't feel like a coach who stonewalls. So if he didn't answer that, that to me means it was, it was important or he wasn't in a place where he could articulate it in a way that wouldn't offend or hurt somebody. Yeah. That, no, how, I, I, how are I things in New York? Is that sort of. Oh, well, there, there, there is a contingent of, contingent of fans that want the guy's head right now. They want to replace yeah, him. Yeah, see, and that's the most ludicrous thing to me. What, why, why do they well, want that? New York. Well, because he, he, you know, he lost game six. They were complaining uh, that he played uh, Ryan Strom and he didn't play uh, Taco, right? You know, so, you know, there's complaints about that. And it's just, it's just typical New York, uh, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, what have you done for me the last 10 seconds, basically? So, yeah. You know, if Buck Showalter doesn't win the World Series this year, Mets fans are going to want him bounced, and they'll want uh, the same. And Yankee fans want uh, Boone bounced every other day, even though he's. So I mean, it doesn't. You know, it's tough. It's tough uh, managing or coaching a team in this well, town. And it's you know, and it's ridiculous because at the end of the day, he's. This is his second year. This is his second year. And yeah. last year, wait a minute, is that accurate or is this his? This is his first year as coach. See, I thought it was second, but I don't know. You would know better. No, than no, no. This was his. Yeah, this is his first year as coach of the Rangers, and so you to to in your in your first year when you're not expected, you're expect, you're you're hopeful to make the playoffs, but you're not you expected mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. And then not only do you make the playoffs, and by the way, you make the playoffs back in January, right? You know, you finish second in your division and you lose in the conference finals, six game in six games to the conference champions, uh, the um to the the Stanley Cup champions, right? That is a really good first line of your resume. Now, obviously, that's not, you know, you, you don't want to sustain that moving forward. That's not a thing you want to see year after year after year. But but you took a team that really, at the be- the very beginning of the season, based on the the based on the, the projections of teams, the projected arcs of teams, you were not expected to make the playoffs or make a lot of noise. That's a really good story. Right. Yeah, damn straight it is. Um, no, the, same, the same thing happened in 17. Um uh, the, the, the quote unquote baby bombers aren't expected to do anything. It was a rebuilding mm-hmm. year, and they got they got to within one within one game of winning the American League uh, pennant and going to the World Series. And what happens? Joe Girardi gets bounced. The Yankees fire yeah. him. It's it's just like what? I mean, sometimes you just can't you can't. No, uh, and and I'm I'm sorry, but when you have a guy like Chris Kreider who has a record shattering season the way that he did this year, and he's been with the Rangers mm-hmm. for a while. He's been in the league for a while, so. So what's different this year that allowed Kreider to, to, to post the kinds of numbers he posted? You know, at that point, you kind of have to ask yourself, okay, well, maybe we should give this, should we give this guy maybe more than one year? Um, I know that people were upset about, about the line shuffling in game six. I just, it's a hard disagree for me. Um, I think that when you, based on things that I've heard, based on things I've read, you know, there are a lot of reasons why you might pull a goalie, but, Oftentimes, the reason you pull the goalie is not so not because you're hoping for better results from your goalie. It's not really supposed to be punishment of the goalie. It's to get the rest of the team to do something. Okay. Yeah. And so I think that's what the line shuffling was. I think that game five, he got the matchups he wanted, and the Rangers still lost. And so here we are, game six. It's in Tampa, so you're not going to get the line matchups you wanted because you don't get final substitutions the way that the home team does. Um, I don't think it was a I just I think he just had run out of ideas. Just and Shostakin did everything he could. So your goalie is is busting ass and being a brick wall out there, and you're still losing. You've lost three straight. You had final yeah. substitution, so you could set up the lines however you wanted and the matchups however you wanted, and you still lost. That doesn't feel good. So you've got this team now that's rolling. You're tired. You're hurt. What do you do? I don't know that there's anything left to do for Game Six, but shuffle all the lines like a deck of cards. Play. To pick up and hope that that has the your team excited and jittery enough that they make some magic happen out of nothing. I think that's all you can do at that point. I've seen that done in baseball. Uh, Billy Martin used to do that. He would take the lineup, put it in the hat, 
and just have the guys draw their names out. And so you have a guy like Willie Randolph uh, batting cleanup <laughs> and Richard Jackson batting leadoff. <laughs> Things like that used to happen when Billy was managing the team when they were going bad. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, but I, I guess the, you know, pure and simple, the, the better team won. The better team won the, uh, you know. That's that's what that. I think. I think the better team won. Yeah. And for what it's worth, for Rangers fans out there, I think again, I think there's a lot of good stuff looking forward. I think this team is in a really, really good position. But also, I don't think the Rangers would have beaten Colorado in the Stanley Cup Finals anyway. I really don't. Okay. I genuinely do not believe that that would have happened. Um, you know, they couldn't. So, so, so real, real quick, are, uh, are the Lightning going to? Uh, are they going to make it a three, uh, three peat? I, I think the Lightning are going to make it a three peat, but with wow. the caveat that they're going to have to do it in six. If this goes to Game ah. Seven, I think Colorado wins. Colorado is sitting on more rest because Colorado swept their series, whereas the Lightning went to Game yes. Six. But I think, and and you know, with Vasilevsky, uh, the the Lightning definitely have the advantage in net. But man, can the Avalanche score, and man, can they move that game, the pace of the game, you know? So, so we'll see. Uh, you know, if they're if they're trying to battle without Kadri, they still have some stars on there. They've got McKinnon. Um, they still have, um, and of course, now I'm, I'm losing his name here, but uh, but the defenseman um, Kale McCarr is astonishing. He's an astonishing player. Um, so the Lightning have the advantage in net. Uh, they have more, they're, they're good at setting a solid defense, but, um, we've got an avalanche that are, that are hungry and very, very skilled and, uh, and they're on rest. So, so my, I am saying the lightning in six, but if it goes to seven, it'll be Colorado. I'm writing that down. No, no, no. <laughs> By all means, I, you know, if I'm proven wrong and this is a sweep, I will be extremely disappointed. Um, but I'm hoping we get some, some really good hockey out of this. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, you always want that. In the, in the last uh, playoff uh, series of, of any uh, any pro, pro season, you uh, you want in the championship series, you want a good you want a good series. You want good you want exactly. something that's entertaining exactly. and thrilling to watch. I hope we will. I'm sorry to all the Rangers fans out there. I do think there's going to be a lot of a lot of good stuff coming their way. But um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about in the off season. But uh, that's that's it for the NHL. Man, man, do you have a prediction, yeah. Joe, for the for the Stanley Cup Finals? Oh no, I do not. I don't know enough. Um, but I, but I always think of it this way: the team that beats my team, I want them to go on to win, because it kind of validates my team. Yeah. In a way. No, I can, yeah, I can so appreciate that. I can appreciate it. unless it's unless it's a rival. It's the Boston Red Sox. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say if it's a rival that I hate, I still want them to lose. But yeah, otherwise, I'd yeah. rather see the other team go all the way because I can go. Well, we lost to the best. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's what I want to see. So. Uh, that's about okay. it for, for hockey, Joe, but uh, let's move into our, our summer sport because uh, I know it's on everybody's minds. Let's talk some baseball. Oh, yeah. It was a big weekend in New York. I mean, the Yankees scored, uh, I believe, let's see, eight, uh, 18, 26. Uh, I think they 28 runs against the, Cub, the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs are actually a worse team than the Tigers or the Orioles, what I saw this weekend. So uh, it was just um, – it, it was almost – it was pathetic to watch the Cubs try to uh, – even, uh, you know, field a decent team. But I don't want to start with the Yankees. I want to start with the Mets. Oh. Deal with the, Mets. Okay. the Mets returned right from a 10-game – yeah, they returned from a 10-game West Coast trip with a 5-5 five and five record. They split four with the Dodgers. They went one and two with the Padres, uh, a very high team right now. The Dodgers are not. And they and they, and they they beat the Angels, uh, the dreadful Angels, 2-1 uh, to one in that series. Anytime a New York team goes out West, a fan expects Armageddon. It's where some seasons have gone to die in the past. Mm-hmm. Stupid time change, the smog, Disneyland, who, Disneyland, who knows? Things don't usually uh, align themselves properly when you go out west. But a 500 road trip is an, is an accomplishment on, on the left coast. And that's not, you know, let's not bury the lead. But the Mets are only one of two teams right now, as of this day, June 13th, with 40 wins in Major League Baseball. The other one plays in the Bronx. So, you know, the Mets tell serve. They went out there. You're supposed to play 500 on the road. They played 500 on the road, but they played 500 on the road in, uh, you know, in California. And that is a big accomplishment. Pete Alonso, everybody's talking about Aaron Judge's MVP in the AL, rightfully so. Pete Alonso right now, I think, is neck and neck with Mookie Betts. And I think it's nudge ahead of him as uh, for MVP candidate. You know, Jeff McNeil is the squirrel. is just hitting the cover off the baseball from line to line. The defense is amazing. Nimmo's, Nimmo's great. Marte 
got banged up a little bit, but he's he's hot again. Uh, Edwin Diaz, I mean, he finished a, a two a two inning save last night, struck out five against the Angels, including getting uh, you know Mike Trout. So um, even though the surging Atlanta Braves will have won, won eleven in a row, uh, you know I, I still think the Mets are, are you know are, are just doing spectacularly well. As I said, holding serve and remember Jacob the Grum and Max Scherzer. Are still, are still yeah, I was going to ask, how in the hell are they managing this when the 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 big story, those two were the big story of the offseason and why the Mets were going to be good this season? I think we, we we touched on this in our previous sports uh, uh, podcast, and I think the, uh, the the way they're managing it is two words. Buck Showalter, a man who not only knows the sport and the game, like I, nobody I think who's ever managed the game, possibly Jim Leland, but um, – he, he's, he's so even keeled and he will not let a team get down after a, a couple of losses and he won't let them get too high up a couple after a string of wins. And he, he, he just knows the opponent very well. He, he, uh, he's got some innate sense for matchups that is just inc- uncanny. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, uh, uh, they, the Mets don't strike out. The Mets put the ball in play. That's after battle one in baseball. And, um, the pitching, Kukie Carrasco, even Tyler Walker last night. I mean, it's just uh, – so you get these two guys back, the Grumman Scherzer, it's like making two blockbuster deals, you know, with two months to go if that's when they come back, say early August. And at that point, unless injuries rear their ugly head, then I think the Mets are going to win the pennant. Hands down, I don't see how they could lose the pennant. Okay. I mean, that's certainly great news to all the Mets fans out there for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and on the other side of town, <laughs> wow! I mean, as I said, the uh, the Cubs came into town and and showed that they are. Uh, uh, not should I say it? All right, paper tigers. But uh, <laughs> I know, right? Low hanging fruit. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. But they're twenty eight games over. <laughs> they're twenty eight games over five hundred and forty four and sixteen. They're playing incredible baseball. Aaron Judge is the beast among beasts. He's a a man playing against you know. Uh, primary school kids, it seems. Um, they've tightened up their their defense. The offense is looking better now that uh, you know, uh, big John Stanton is John Call Stanton is back, and um, they got a guy from uh, from your hometown there um, to come come in and uh, act like Babe Ruth, and that's Matt Carpenter. He's got eight hits as a Yankee and six from our home runs. Wow! So <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. It two yesterday, and this kid they got they picked up. Uh, late in spring training, uh, Jose Trevino, as the backup catcher, has now won the starting job. He's hitting 3 310, 320 with power, and he's playing, you know, he's, he's great behind the plate. Starting pitching is amazing. They had a little bump against the Twins, a team they don't match up well against because they get some powerful right handed hitters, the Twins. And that kid, Byron Buxton, boy, if he stays healthy, he's going to be great. And, um, and the bullpen, of course, even with injuries, the bullpen is just is amazing. So, um, you know, I said I said this before, and I'll say it again. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but could it happen? I think there's a distinct possibility that we could have a. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. I know it's still it's yeah. still for that it's still, still an early wrong. consideration, but you had previously mentioned possibility yes. based on the way both teams are playing. Yeah. Now the Yankees have a 13 game stretch starting tomorrow night against three teams, three and the other the other three best best teams in the in the American mm-hmm. League, Tampa Bay uh, Rays the Toronto Blue Jays and the, uh, the Astros. Okay. So, you know, that this is a test really, because, you know, let's see how the, well the Yankees do against these teams and vice versa, how they do against the Yankees. They have, the Yankees haven't even played the Astros yet this year. So, uh, well, you know, well, Yankee fans are of course, like all New York fans, they always think the worst. They always harbor, you know, ill intentions, you know, Oh my God, we have to play 13 games against these three teams. You know, well, you know, whole serve like the Mets did on the West coast and you'll be fine. So, because I, I want to come back to both the Mets and the Yankees, but for a quick second, um, I don't know a single a single sport wherein, or a single season for that matter, wherein you don't have the teams one or multiple teams that are that are sort of the toast of the town and everybody's got eyes on, and then quietly mm-hmm. toiling away somewhere else. There's a team that ends up making noise later in the season or later in the playoffs. And it ends up that, oh, well, you know, they were they were sort of they were doing well this whole time, but they were shouted down by these other teams that were incredible. 
is there anybody in the MLB that sh- that we should be watching right now as, hey, I know we're talking about the Mets and the Yankees and everything we say about them is valid, but also we're going to want to keep an eye on these teams that are maybe getting overshadowed because the Mets and the Yankees are playing incredible history-making ball. The one team everybody needs to keep an eye on in both divisions, in both leagues, is the Atlanta Braves. They won 11 in a row. Their pitching is getting healthy. Uh, Ron Lacuna, who was, went down last year, is healthy. And Ron Lacuna is, you mentioned him in the same breath as Trout, Judge, and Betts, and Buxton, and, 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 and guys like that. He's an incredible baseball player. Um, Matt Olson, who signed a big contract, is finally, get, is, is, is finally getting hot. Their third baseman, I believe his name is Austin Riley. Kids are going to be a perennial MVP candidate. He's that good. So, yes, the Atlanta Braves, if their pitching can, 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 can uh, re- return to form as it did uh, uh, last year and even the year prior, uh, that's the team to watch. I believe they're um, five or six games behind the Mets right yeah. now. So, you know, it's uh, five games behind the Mets. You know, but the Mets aren't playing the Braves until, until next month. So a lot can happen between then mm-hmm. and now. Uh, but that's the team I would keep an eye on out for. And in the American League, the three teams I just mentioned going against the Yankees uh, the, the next week and a half, the Rays, the Jays, and the Astros. The, so uh, if you'd like, I have a uh, I can go around the league. Yeah, oh, I'd love that. And, uh, yeah. So uh, the NL East, uh, as I mentioned, the Atlanta Braves. Let's not count them out. Let's keep an eye on them. And after canning Joe Girardi, the Phillies went nine, won nine out of ten, nine in a row. They lost yesterday. So what does that say? I don't know. I like Joe Girardi, but uh, I still think the Phillies are not a good baseball team. Their pitching is woeful, mm-hmm. and I think this is just a, a you know every team gets a hot streak. So and um, and you, you know Chris, your Cardinals are an amazing team. They just never they're they're in first by half a game over the Brewers, who have gone two and eight in their last mm-hmm. ten. Uh, but they're pitching. I don't see how that could happen, but they, it has. So the, I think the entire summer in the National League Central is, is Cardinals Brewers just a real dogfight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nobody else in that division that's going to even give them a problem. Okay. In the NL West, the Dodgers have had, the Dodgers have had some tough times uh, the past uh, week and a half or so, and they, they and big time now they lost Walker Bueller, their star pitcher, for at least two months with an elbow problem. But they got Clayton Kershaw back, and the Dodgers have the incredible uh, offense. So I think the Dodgers are like the Mets. The only thing that can really derail them is, is, is injuries. So I, I believe the Dodgers and the Mets will battle it out for that, that, that National League pennant. And I'm saying it here, folks. I think the Mets will win it. But um, in, in that division, we also got to keep an eye on the Padres. We're only half a game behind the Dodgers right now. And the Giants are only three and a half behind. So um, that's going to be a dogfight, too. I think the Dodgers will win that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the American League, in the AL, Yankees, all right? Um, let's keep an eye on, on the Rays and the Jays. And the freaking Red Sox. You know, all of a sudden they're they're three games over five hundred, and but um, they just got bad news. Uh, they lost Nate Navaldi, the back trouble. So I don't know. They say two, only two weeks, but they haven't gotten Chris Sale yet back. And and Rafael Devers, that's another guy I keep forgetting to mention. Plays to look at and look. Rafael Devers is a bona fide superstar, and he's only twenty four years old. He is Ron Lacuna. He is he he is um, the kid with the Nationals who's uh, Swan Soto. He might be better than those two guys. He's an amazing ball player. He plays third. The guy is a hit machine. He's got power. can hit to all fields. So the Red Sox can score runs. They can put runs up on the board, but their pitching is their, is their big problem. In the AL Central, ho-hum, meh. You know, Twins leading the Guardians by three. I think the Twins will just win that thing outright. The White Sox have been a huge disappointment. Yeah, I, while, we're, and, while we're there, if I can, is it okay if I stop you for a second there, Joe? Sure. So Please, let me ask you, just because I know that the, the chance are starting and I'm sure the press is probably not far behind. Is it time for La Russa to go? Because I know that's the call that's being, that's being yeah. called for in, in for the White Sox right now. So I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think that there's been some bit, there's been some tough injuries. Uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the, uh, the young outfielder who's been out for a while now. But uh, they've had to play through some really difficult injuries, including the pitching staff. So I don't, I'm not putting it all on LaRusso's shoulders now, right now. I think it's been injuries that have really scuttled their season to date. But uh, I'm not sure they can turn it around. But again, the Twins don't exactly throw me with their pitching. But their, their offense is incredible. It really is. It, it's just an, they can hit with anybody. So, um, you know, I don't have anything against LaRusso or 
I mean, but how old is he now? 75, 77? He's, I mean, he's like definitely that? older. Somebody that I was talking to yeah. just yesterday was because I, I posed the same question to them uh, as a White Sox fan. And he said, I nothing against the guy. He said, I think that the game has passed him by. Um, I guess it's fine. And, I, and, I, and like any, any profession, any business, any whatever, um, you know, if you're not keeping up with the times, then it's easy for these things to, sure, pass you by that you, you know, this is the way the game was played. The game's not played that way anymore. And so your strategy doesn't work. I mean, we see that in the NFL all the time, right? We see these, these old school coaches and um, excited to see them on the, on the, on the sideline again. And we're going to see the success that we saw from them even just 10 years ago. And, and we don't Um, sometimes the game, just the game just changes and you don't always change with it. So, um, so yeah, so I wasn't sure where, where the rooster was. That's a good question. I'm, I'm also wondering if that question can apply to Joe Girardi. He's not as old as the rooster. He's probably 20 years younger than him, but, um, you know, he just lost a job with a team that spent a hell of a lot of money over the postseason in getting Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber and really beefing up that offense. But is it Joe Girardi's fault if the, the Phillies can't pitch their way out of a paper bag? Right. I mean, well, and, that's, uh, and that becomes so, a question, right? Like, I, I, because I know yeah. that some sometimes you're you're the wrong match for the city, you're the wrong match for the team, and and certainly, you know, if you're trying to make magic happen the way that you did somewhere else with another group of people. That doesn't take that often. You've got to be able to be fluid and flexible enough. So if you're trying to, mm-hmm. if you're trying to manage a team the way that you've managed other teams, um, you know, maybe that doesn't work here. Yeah, it's very possible, especially in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if, you know, if we could, the, the ALS, I'll save that for last, because um, don't bother, there's nothing to see here except the usual domination of the Astros. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, it, it's, you know, Justin Verlander is MLB's ageless bionic man wonder. Uh, he's two and eight. With an ERA under three, uh, under two, excuse me, under two, and this Yankee fan's greatest fear, he's been a constant impediment uh, to the Bronx. Bronx Bombers going deep in the playoffs the last five years. Uh, I know people constantly singing the praises of Jacob Degrom, Max Scherzer, and until recently uh, <laughs> Garrett Cole, but Justin Verlander takes a backseat for nobody. I mean, um, uh, he's. Uh, He's an amazing guy. He's had the you know arm rebuilt a couple of times, and if he stays healthy. That team, you know, with Bergman and, and Altuve and uh, uh, oh boy, I can't think of the big lefty's name. Uh, he's some ball player. Jordan uh, Alvarez, I believe, is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have him a couple in the future, folks. If I got that wrong, right, as, as we yeah. as we all do. Yep. Yeah. But uh, that's a that's a that's a hell of an offensive baseball team too. So if they they're pitching holes, they're going to be tough. And um, the last thing I want to say, oh, oh yeah, but, but I want to say, but uh, and also the rest of the division, it just sucks. Period. I mean, mm-hmm. please stop giving me the Angels and please stop giving me Trout Notani, Trout Notani, Trout Notani. You know, it's like, well, what about you know um, Judge and Stanton? Really? Because you know Trout. I mean. <laughs> I'm not saying that Trout and Otani are overrated. I guess Trout is still the pound for pound the best player in the game, although I still think it's Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. And I've said that for, for the last five years, and I'll, I'll keep on saying that. But, you know, I'm looking at what Judge and Stanton are doing. Or what Alfonso – Alfonso, yes. That's going back 20 years ago. <laughs> or what Alonzo, what Alonzo and, 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 and Frankie Lindor are doing over in, the, over in, over in uh, Flushing. So let's just – you know, not keep bowing down at the altar of Trout and Otani. And let's, uh, hey, folks, I know you might hate us because we're New Yorkers and we blow our own horns, but um, come check out the New York Mets and the New York Yankees if you want to see some real baseball. Okay. All right. That is, I mean, that's a hell of a challenge. I don't know if we have, I don't I know. know how many we've got yeah, outside just, of New York, but. Uh, I probably just jinxed both maybe seasons. Somebody, maybe somebody's <laughs> going to call you on it. Who knows? I hope so. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Chris, you want to mention you want to talk um, tip our toe in the NBA? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. We, yeah, we don't normally. I know that. Um, I think somebody had posted on the uh, Facebook page at some point about how the NBA doesn't get enough love, and and uh, and I do apologize for that. I I keep meaning to to try and make the effort, and then I watch more hockey instead. Oh, well, yes, and and I apologize to whoever that that uh, uh, person was because as uh, I've watched too much baseball and Chris has got me watching too much hockey yep. now. So yeah, by the time the hockey's in. done, the basketball will be done and, and I'll be on to baseball. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, that's why I haven't started watching baseball yet. I've just been too focused on, 
on hockey. So yeah, uh, yeah. So let's yeah. let's let's do some basketball. Let's get into the basketball. Very briefly, we have Game Five starting tonight. It's tied up two-two uh, between the Golden State and the Boston Celtics. Boo, Celtics! <laughs> you know, uh, so the series is knotted to a piece. And I don't, as I said, I don't follow the NBA as much because I'm still waiting for my Knicks to come around and and, and be, uh, you know, uh, have some meaningful games, you know, after the first week of the season. But um, if I had to put my money on anybody, I put it on uh, Stephon Curry and Draymond Green, and I think the uh, Warriors win it in six. So that's my prediction there. Okay. And that's, you know, and I got, I got a little tidbit about the NFL. Yeah, too. please. So let me see if I can find my notes real quick. This just came across the desk this morning, right. Chris. <laughs> yeah, over um, the wires. <laughs> right. Yeah, over the wire. Uh, mandatory mini camps in the NFL right now. Makai Becton is there, but he still can't play. Kai Becton got hurt in week one last year, if you remember, mm. right? Left tackle in the New York, New York Jets. And he's still rehabbing. What the hell is going on? With him, with the Jets, do they know what's going on? Is anybody looking in on this rehab? They say he's ballooned up well past his 340-pound weight. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who to blame here, if there's anybody to blame, but this guy should have been back by now. They should have been ready for these mandatory uh, uh, minicamps. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And all, I was going to briefly sorry. say, do we, do we know, has he been trying to rehab on his own? Or has he been doing it with the team? Because I know that's that's definitely an issue with, we see with a lot of athletes, but especially in the yes. NFL, right? We saw that with even just uh, one of the more high-profile, Antonio Brown, when he was doing the the cryotherapy and ended up, you know, and ended up hurting himself. Um, I I can't answer that uh, right now. I heard this this morning on FAN. I don't know if they talked about it too much, the guys on on the fan, but uh, I would think that you know now that we're past many of the COVID protocols that uh, he's not rehabbing on his okay. own. Uh, but, uh, you know, I could be wrong about that. Well, I mean, it's and, definitely, it definitely ends up being a consideration. If, I mean, if James were here, and uh, for those of you who don't know um, or haven't heard us talk about in the past, James is a personal trainer. He's a martial arts, a martial artist who is also a teacher. Um, and he, he has his own podcast, which is, which is really, really excellent. But mm-hmm. it has to do with health and fitness and wellness. And he talks about, you know, the, the, that not all of us have – not all of us have the health literacy we need in order to take care of ourselves. This is why you go and find experts to do it and not, not the sensational quacks, right? Not the new fad, but you go out and you do it right. Um, And unfortunately, you know, athletes are very much a target for that, for those kinds of quacks. Um, This is, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is explained as, oh, well, it makes, this makes sense, but physiologically it doesn't. Um, So that's why I'm kind of curious. Like, is he, is he, is this a thing he's doing on his own? And so that's why we're not seeing progress. We're actually seeing setbacks or, or is this just, there's something more to it and nobody wants to talk about it. And we see that in sports sometimes too, right? We're trying to downplay an injury so the guy can play so the rehab can be faster, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why, but I was, I was just curious. No, I think everybody here in New York is curious. It's what, uh, what talk about the talk on the fan this morning, um, mostly the Rangers and the Yankees and Mets, but that came up a number of times. So uh, we'll see where that goes. And already in giant camp, we have uh, um, Thibodeau, the uh, uh, one of the top picks. He's hurt. Oh, I didn't he's see questionable. That. Yeah. He's questionable for the uh, first game of Tennessee. And so of course is Kadarius uh, uh, Tony hurt again. So, uh, you know, what else is right? Name? Right. Unfortunately. <laughs> so th- th- those are my NFL tidbits and I'll, um, Finish up my blathering with the PBA. No, no, we, we welcome the blathering. We value your blathering. We'll keep it coming. <laughs> okay. So in a sport that uh, some people don't consider it to some be a sport. They may even be sitting, <laughs> sitting at the sports desk right now. It's right, yeah. Your best friend my, and you wouldn't know it. Yeah, look out. There's hot coffee on the desk. <laughs> so uh, some people don't consider bowling a sport, but uh, a certain bowler who won five titles this uh, season had an historic season. And he finished up just recently with a with a win at the PBA Tour Finals, thus cementing his place in sports in sports uh, history by becoming one of the eighth player with thirty tour titles. And that bowler is the, the two hand wonder from Down Under. You heard me speak of him before, Jason Belmonte. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the LeBron James, Tom Brady, Mike Trout, Sidney Crosby of professional bowling. That's how good he is. I mean, this guy is great. If if you have even a passing interest in bowling if you're a league bowler and you haven't seen this guy bowl then catch him on fox sports one or when they're doing the the, the uh the live events on fox sports and uh it, he'll probably be he'll probably make the cut and you'll see a guy that plays a power game like no one else has played 
in the history of the sport, but also has a touch and finesse at the release that allows him to do things with this this 15-pound spheroid that nobody nobody else on the planet can do. So kudos to um, Jason Beaumonti. I believe he just, his his recent child just turned a year old, his fourth child. That's why he took the last Mm -hmm. year off because his wife was having a baby. He wanted to be home. But he's 37, has 30 titles. Uh, Walter Ray Williams, uh, who's now in his early 60s and is on the Pro Tour, is the leading title winner at 47. I think he's got his shot. I think if he can bowl for 10 more years at this at this um, level, and I think he can, I think he winds up with the most wins. But right now he's a Hall of Fame bowler, and he and he's arguably, arguably the greatest who's ever played the game. So, uh, oh, and oh, here's my Mia Culpa, guys. Um, <laughs> I need to apologize because in our last sports uh, uh, briefing podcast, I said that the PBA Tour, PBA League, which is returning in July, would be, uh, would be hosted in – Portland, Vermont. There's no Portland, Vermont. It's a Portland, Oregon. I didn't remember you but, saying that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm, now, I was probably thinking of Rutland, Vermont, where they have that, they used to have that, that comic book cost, costume parade back in the 70s and 80s. But it will be hosted in Portland, Maine. So um, I'm sorry about that. So I, you know, I'm Mia Culper and I apologize for uh, making up a fictional, unless there is a tiny town in Vermont named Portland. I don't know. Now, now I feel like Vermont. we need to look into it. But of course, you realize yeah, that now if you find it, you're going to have to issue yet another Mia Culpa. Yeah, that's right. Oh, boy. See, we're going down the rabbit yeah, hole yeah, here. No, we're spiraling <laughs> here at the Sports Desk. James, where yeah. are you? Come back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like the Tiki Bob of uh, uh, Fumble oh, Syndrome. I don't think you have to worry about that. That's a, that's a yeah. pretty tall order right there. Yeah, it certainly is. Oh. So, yeah, that's, that's where we stand, folks, with the uh, MLB, the NFL, the NBA, the PBA, and Chris's great, you know, uh, wrap-up of the uh, of, uh, NHL. Oh, Bashal. So, uh, <laughs> Shaw. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, and I have, I have a couple of other notes. Um, we often. T- I, I was going to mention Clint Frazier, and nah, he's dope. Because I want, and it would, it would. I don't want to end on a, on a sour okay. note because he got he, he got DFA from the uh, the Cubs before they got destroyed by the Yankees mm-hmm. this weekend. But I want to talk about a young man, a young ball player, by the name of Christopher Morell. He's the starting center fielder of the Chicago Cubs. And when he came in, he was hitting 300, but the Yankees kind of shut him down. But he's a great outfielder. Uh, he looks like he's got a good bat. He's quick. But this is a kid you got to watch, folks, for a couple other reasons besides his baseball acumen. But he, he leads off the game. So when he comes up to the plate for the first time, he fist bumps the opposing umpire. He fist bumps the opposing catcher. He turns to the mound and doffs his helmet and cap to the, the opposing pitcher. I love this kid. He reminds me of Curtis Grandison, who was probably the, you know, the single best ambassador for baseball we've seen in the last 20 years. This kid, look him up, Christopher Morell, M-O-R-E-L, his last name, center fielder for the Cubs. This is the kind of player all sports needs. He, he gets it. He gets it. And I love him. And I'm going to follow his career from now on. That's really terrific. That's great. I, I, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, how often, how often do we see that kind of attitude? I, I think about it frequently when, um, you know, at the end of a series, when you see the handshakes happening, it's, it's, it's a little more chaos when we're talking the NFL, but they line up in the NHL and, um, mm-hmm. and you don't always get those moments, but, but sometimes you do. And I, I, I think it's a, a good reminder that even as, even as competitors, they can still find common ground because, you know, whose team are going to be on next year? You might be on the same team. You got to work together. Right. Like at the end of the day, you're all athletes trying to do the best you can. And um, so that's, that's really, that's great. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Uh, he, he blew me away. When I saw that for the first time Friday night, I said, Whoa, I, I texted my, my nephew uh, down in uh, Lancaster, South Carolina, who, uh, who was watching, uh, instead of watching the, the, uh, the uh, hockey, he was watching baseball all weekend. I was watching. <laughs> was watching the yeah. Race. A little bit of twilight but, zone going on there. Yeah. Right. So well, he's a, he, as I said, he's a, he's an Islander fan. So he doesn't. He was rooting against the Rangers. I've I've never talked with him, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know this this kid Morell, uh, um, and there are there are a few more guys like that in in in, in baseball. So uh, we're happy to have them, and we hope we have more players like not only in baseball, but in all our major sports. Is there a way that you think that we can we can try and 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 if you don't have an answer for it, that's fine. But is there a way that you think we can try to approach 
take that approach or increase that approach uh, to the sport and to sportsmanship in general without without it feeling disingenuous that these rules have been imposed. You know, we're seeing it, I think, you know, one of my big complaints in the NFL is, you know, hitting hitting these players with unsportsmanlike when they celebrate a touchdown. And I think that's ridiculous. I think there, there, yeah. there definitely is too much excessive celebration. But sometimes, like, you know, let the guys dance. Like, let them celebrate. Like, it's, it's stupid. And I understand the – at least the stated – uh, the stated intention, which is sportsmanship, you know, don't brag, act like you've been there before, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think that's what's actually being learned. I think it lowers the entertainment value. It puts a damper on the game and it makes a difficult job that much harder because you're you're this is a game they enjoy and you're taking away a moment of joy. So so I, I take issue with that. But do you think there are things that we can maybe implement that that maybe encourage other players to to show that kind of sportsmanship on the, on the field, whether it's, whether it's the baseball diamond or, or anywhere else. Well, I think when you see plays like Christopher Morell uh, and um, uh, you guys like that, uh, Juan Soto, who looks like he has fun playing the game, I think, uh, you know, they need to be uh, singled out by the, uh, the, uh, just the media and say, hey, take, check this guy out. He gets it. He gets it. You know, uh, Ed, uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Aaron Judge, uh, Mookie Betts. He's like Mookie Betts. I was just a big smile on his face when he comes up to the play. I love Mookie Betts. I wish he was the Yankees. But uh, <laughs> hey, folks, yeah, we're about to start our second hour of the episode. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I think you you got to um, you got to you know zero in on these guys and and um, and sometimes leave the negative stuff like the Clint Frazier stuff. Ah, who cares? He had his two chances. He's he's you know he's he's a legend in his own mind. He doesn't get it. But there are guys that get it, and those are the guys you got to single in on. And 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 baseball does a very poor job of, of marketing their stars. It really, of all the four major sports, baseball is the worst at marketing their stars. It really is. So, um, uh, you know, market these guys, uh, uh, get them on some, you know, if they if they if they're willing, uh, get them, interview them on some on, on some, you know, on, on uh, Major League Baseball channel on ESPN. Um, you know, have. Um, even though he's, a, he's even though he's a young kid, uh, have a don't wait until he becomes a star. Have a have a Christopher Morel bobblehead day <laughs> next season in, in Chicago. They're gonna need something to get to. Well, actually, they don't. They'll fill that. They'll fill you know um, um, Wrigley Field, whether, no matter what the Cubs how good right, the Cubs right. are. It's just a, yeah. But um, now uh, this is something that uh, is is nice to see in sports. Um, the, the guy I mentioned before. Uh, in the PBA, Jason Belmonte is a great ambassador for that sport. You, you have these guys are there; they are there. You have them already. Put them out there. Put their face out there. Let people see them. And uh, and I think the other guys will catch on. Hey, you know what? You can catch. What's the old expression? More flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, really I, old. That's, that's no, that's great insight, Joe. And I I really appreciate it because I you know, uh, it's funny that you mentioned this story because at the same moment there's there's a uh, so back in back in February, uh, the IIHF uh, Women's World Hockey Championship was uh, was rescheduled. It was canceled because of, of concerns uh, over COVID, and uh, and they rescheduled it. Now that story got a lot of a lot of press with the notion of you know uh, why weren't they ready for this? You know, do they not have the organizational capacity to be taken seriously? Blah blah blah, on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, you know, it has been rescheduled and there's been a lot of good press around the IIHF and some of the best hockey players in the world are women um, to the point where we're seeing them being hired in a lot of various coaching, uh, you know, staff positions that they're 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 working their way up. They're going to be GMs. They're going to be head coaches. Um, there's a lot of that. But when, you know, uh, and I can't remember who it was that said it, but they were they were talking about it on the one of my other favorite podcasts that I listen to regularly called Too Many Men. It's fantastic. It's these three women um, who really, really they they know their hockey. They put it all out there with every episode, um, but it's it's just outstanding. But they said, you know, you can't just you can't just report the sensational bad stuff. You know, if you if you really give a damn, you have to you know dedicate the reporting and the money and the effort. To the good stuff too, yes. And and yes. it sounds like that's what you're advocating here with baseball is yes. don't just chase the drama. If you're going to report on the drama, report on the good stuff too. So you're equalizing the stories, and it's not a matter of 
you know, giving them necessarily equal weight. Sometimes the good is much better than the bad. And sometimes the bad is much worse than the good. But, um, but you can't say that something is struggling or we don't see enough sportsmanship these days. If you're not also reporting on that sportship uh, sportsmanship before it becomes a, uh, a famous feel-good story, right? If this if this kid has to win a World Series before he's recognized for what he's doing, we've waited way too long. Way, way too long, yeah. And, and to the culture in a rebuilding mode, it's going to be a long wait. And maybe another 108 years. Well, well, <laughs> I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's going to be around then. But you know, we, you know, yeah, well, great, great grandchildren right. will be. But um, yeah. great. Um, I do. I I miss one thing, and and um, women in sports. Um, I forgot this. I, I had written down. Uh, PBA had their uh, annual King of the Lanes this, uh, but they made it. They they added a uh, difference this year, where it was a um, uh, parent child King uh, King of the Lanes, and um, only one team was uh, uh, man, uh, I almost said manned by women. <laughs> it's that's actually how life. You know, that's, that's the gender preference language we've been conditioned to. So it doesn't surprise yeah, me. Right. I, I so Carol. <laughs> yeah. Right. Carolyn Dor- Doran Ballard. Uh, Hall of Fame bowler herself, 22 uh, PWA, uh, P- PWA titles, uh, and her 18-year-old daughter won the King of the Lanes Open, uh, the King of the Lanes Tournament. So they had to rename it the, the Queens uh, you know, because, it. yeah, they, they took down two two teams that also had the dads were uh, Hall of Fame bowlers. And you had to see this 18-year-old girl bowl. She never missed a pocket. She looked like a clone of her mother when she was throwing the ball. But Carolyn Dor- uh, Doran Ballard came up big time. She needed uh, a double and nine to win, to take down Chris Spawns and his son in the 10th frame. She struck three times. The piece of cake. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's, I think those are, those are two really, really good, great, uh, great notes to end on. Thank you, Joe, for that was, that was extensive, expansive. I loved every minute of it. You were, you were, all, no, I mean, you know, you covered, you, here I am with my, my little corner in heaven with hockey, but, uh, and you hit every other sport, so so well done. That might uh that might verge on a on a first for our little podcast hitting every sport. I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, because I know we left the NBA out, the NBA out the That's last true. time. Yeah. So you know, you know what, Chris? Uh, we got maybe we got to get the, uh, golf in the next one. Oh man, ah. that might be that might be a real tall order. I I could certainly throw bombs from over here. I don't know if I. Can. I know you <laughs> could. <laughs> um, oh, but, uh, you, oh, but you know what? Here we go, golf. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, this is actually quite interesting. I am I am not a golfer. I never have been. My brother has gotten into it, but uh, but it's generally not for me. And I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find the link. But we'll I think we'll post it up with this episode. But there was a story on ESPN, and it was a, a guy who I because I didn't know this. I didn't know that as an amateur golfer, you can actually qualify for the U.S. Open. Yes, you can do that in, in, in professional bowling. Okay. So, yes. so Open, yep. uh, with golf, obviously, you know, you have thousands and thousands of people who try and do it. But but one ESPN reporter actually followed his friend and went, okay, so how difficult, how difficult is it for a weekend golfer to make the U.S. Open? And so he's got a whole think piece about it. It's, it's interesting. It's worth a read. Even oh. to somebody who doesn't, who doesn't care for golf, the only golf I play is mini. Um, no. Yeah, I will say it was an interesting piece, golf. so we'll post it up with this episode. There, there's your golf tidbit. I went to the driving range once with my brother, may he rest in peace, and uh, all I kept hitting was line drives down the left field line. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, not for me. No, and I and I, I have played golf once in my life. I remember actually a uh, guest on the show and friend of the show, John Woodmore, his brother Dave, uh, their parents, the Woodmores, were, were gracious enough to take me on vacation with them. It was, it was a blast in Vermont. And we went golfing, and that was the first and last time that I played golf. I believe I will stick to mini golf. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Me too. Uh, all right. Anything yeah. we, we we really went, I think, uh, we went around. We didn't keep quite keep it under 60 minutes, but we're close. So uh, anything we missed, yeah. Joe? No, I don't think so. And uh, like I said, for your uh, future broadcast, maybe we could bring in golf. And you know what's coming up, Chris, in about, let's see, a little less than two months, uh, uh, tennis at the uh, stadium here in New York. In, uh, in oh, sure. Okay. So, uh, all right, yeah. Maybe well, maybe well, you know, if, if Serena is uh, involved, I, I only that's the only time I watch tennis. I watch uh, golf when the Tigers involved, and that's 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 less frequently now, obviously. Mm-hmm. And when Serena's uh, Serena's there, so but uh, yeah, we'll we'll get around to the sports if, if somebody out there is saying, "What about my?" I sport? think yeah, I think we're gonna we'll start get... splitting these episodes up, and this, you know, couple couple of sports on this episode, a couple of different sports on that episode. Yeah, we'll yeah. 
But uh, all right, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Joe. It's always my pleasure to speak with you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Chris, and a pleasure to talk about sports because I love sports. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. Um, and for our, for our friends out there, uh, please feel free to post any any questions you got. If you're curious about a thing we follow or don't follow, disagree with a take, uh, it's all good. We're definitely not not experts here, except Joe in baseball. No, you know, if you disagree with him, you know, do so at your peril. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, we'd we'd love to hear from you. You know, obviously we can't we can't cover everything, but uh, but we're doing the best we can from our old sports desk here. But uh, yeah, weighing with your comments, your thoughts, uh, teams or players we should be watching. So uh, uh, as per usual, I think James is going to go ahead and take us out uh, because I can't yeah. remember what it is I'm supposed to say at the end of the episode. One day I'll get there, or maybe I won't. We'll find out. So uh, join us next time on Secret Origins of Mint Condition, and we'll talk to you soon. Another fantastic episode from our sports desk. Uh, As always, if you want to follow us, please go to the Facebook group. Secret Origins of Mint Condition is where I'll be putting up a post when this episode drops. And please feel free to comment on that post with any of your thoughts about the show, hockey, baseball, sports in general. We'd love to hear it. In addition, you can follow us on Instagram at Secret Origins MC. And secretoriginsmc at gmail.com is the email address. And if you have time, we'd really appreciate you uh, rating the show, however you listen to your podcast. And if the um, way you're listening to the podcast allows you to do a review, we would definitely appreciate that you doing that for us as well. It really does help us get out into a wider audience and build up this community of uh, mint condition people. So uh, we thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next time. 